Hey, welcome to the Life Church Green Bay podcast. It's our mission to lead the way in bringing the life giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We are so glad that you're here. If this is your first time joining us, would you connect with us? We want to do life with you, and there are so many ways we can do that from wherever you are in the world. You can get connected with us and other Jesus people in one of our Facebook groups by joining us for an online service every Sunday or connecting with people through life groups and pocket churches. To learn how to get connected and find your pocket, please go to lifechurchgreenbay.com. Again, so glad you're here with us today. Here's this week's message. Hey friends, I'm so glad to have the opportunity to be with you today. Would you open your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 2? And if you don't have a physical Bible with you, you can always go on your smart device and open up the YouVersion Bible app. And all the notes and scriptures have already been uploaded for you to follow along. I love this series and getting to hear different pastors talk each week about the different truths that have withstood the test of time. And for me, there have been things that I have experienced and false pretenses that I have believed for many years that were the right way to do things and found out that I had it completely wrong. And at different stages of my life, I've dealt with people who were physically intimidating or spiritually intimidating, and I've had to face life changes or tasks that seem impossible to complete. And when I was younger, there were times that I had fear pushed into me that if I didn't do something right or if I didn't get it perfect, then there was going to be a consequence or I wasn't good enough. And there's there's been times that fear has been pushed into me, but I've also pushed it into others. And I've intimidated people by how I've treated others when they don't act like me or sound like me or look like me. And I know for me, I've intimidated my family at times, like my kids, without even knowing it. And I think that's because I didn't really know the meaning of what intimidation was. And we are not called to be intimidators. And that's not how God intended it to be. So today, I want to help you not to walk in intimidation, but to walk in love and a message called Intimidation Versus Love. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for my friends. I thank you for uh, them just being willing to listen today, God. I just pray that you give us ears to hear and that you just begin to reveal your word to us today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So intimidation can be thought as many different things. I know people there that see it as a strength, and some see it as a way to lead people. Some see it as a necessity or a value. But what really is intimidation? One thing you'll learn about me is when I talk about something, I always love to look up like what the meaning of the word is. And so I did a ton of research. I dug in deep and just did hours of research and found what intimidation really meant on (laughs) dictionary.com. Intimidation, check this out, intimidate. It means to make timid or fill with fear. To make timid or fill with fear. Another definition says to force into or deter from some action by inducing fear. And one thing we do know is that this does not come from God. In 2 Timothy, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Intimidation is something that comes from our enemy to manipulate and to rob us of something. Intimidation doesn't want to see you and I live up to our potential. John 10.10 says the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. And we equate that as he wants to steal our peace. Yes, 
That is true. He wants to steal your peace. And we equate that as the enemy wants to kill our joy. Yes, that's true. He wants to kill our joy, but he wants to intimidate you and take everything from you. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy your courage. He wants to take your comfort. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy your marriage, your family, your spirit, your life. He wants you to think less of yourself. He wants you to believe every false pretense about this life and destroy you. The Bible says he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He is intimidation. And I've seen what can happen to people and families when intimidation is present. I've had family members killed because they believed the lie that they only had two choices, to be intimidated or be the intimidator. Are you living your life like there are only two choices? Are you the intimidator? Or are you the intimidated? There is more than just that. No matter where we are, when we let intimidation come in, that spirit of fear come in, we can become spiritually hurt. We can become spiritually killed because the fear is crippling. It prevents us from stepping into our calling. It prevents us from making sound decisions. And Nehemiah, he had experienced people trying to intimidate him multiple times, a lot of times. And when we first hear of Nehemiah in chapter one, he is serving as a king's cupbearer. And he had gotten news that his town, his home was falling apart. The walls of Jerusalem had been torn down and the gates burned by fire. And when he heard this, like he wept for days and became sad. So what he did is he, he prayed for favor with the king. And when the king saw him, saw him it says this in chapter two, beginning in verse two. Why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified, but I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire. The king asked, well, how can I help you? With a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, if it please the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. The king with the queen sitting beside him said, how long will you be gone? When will you return? After I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. I also said to the king, if it please the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through their territories on my way to Judah. And please give me a letter addressed to Asaph, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber. I will need to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress, for the city walls, and for a house for myself. And the king granted these requests because the gracious hand of God was on me. So you have Nehemiah who has prayed for favor with the king. And because he asked for it, he received it. And it's also important to note that he had gotten authority from the king to do what he needs to do. And sometimes we don't have because we don't ask. We are afraid of what the response will be of possible rejection. But Nehemiah was bold enough to make his request known. So Nehemiah begins to travel back to Jerusalem and he begins to experience his first opposition. Look at this in verse nine. When I came to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, I delivered the king's letter to them. The king, I should add, has sent along armies, officers, 
and horsemen to protect me. But when Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite official, heard of my arrival, they were very displeased that someone had come to help the people of Israel. Now, there are two things to note in verses 9 and 10. The king sent army officers, officers and horsemen to protect him. Nehemiah, he had covering from the king. And when we walk in his favor, we have his protection. And the other thing to note is that the other officials in the land, they weren't happy. They weren't happy about what Nehemiah came to do. And most of the time when we are called to do something or called to step into a position or step into something that may benefit you or others, the devil is not going to be happy because he wants you destroyed. And Nehemiah goes on to start investigating the wall and explaining to others his conversation with the king. And people begin to help him building the wall. And it, it didn't make these guys happy. So when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab heard of our plan, they scoffed contemptuously. What are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king, they asked? See, right here, they start trying to put doubt in Nehemiah. They try to get him to second guess his calling, making him think he isn't doing what the king wants. And isn't that just like the devil? To make us question our purpose, to make us question who we are, to make us question, do you really have that authority? To make us feel like maybe we are wrong. And this has been happening since the beginning of time, since Adam and Eve. Did God really say you can't do this? Did God really say you can do this or you can't have that? He tries to deceive us into doing what's wrong, to deceive us to not trying to do what God has called us to do. And maybe that's been you for most of your life. And maybe you have been crippled because you've heard that quiet voice that says you are not good enough. That quiet voice that says you are not pretty enough. You are not strong enough. You are not smart enough. You are not worthy enough or you are worthless. And for most of my life, I have been dealing with those same voices. And for a long time, I let those voices win. I let those voices have victory in me. I let those voices cripple me where I was at. I had leaders that would say to me, DJ, are you stupid? Because I didn't do something right. I had bosses try to work me and treat me so poorly that I would quit. I had pastors say to me, like pastors say to me, why would I have ever considered you for this position? I've had people say my personality is not good enough or that I'm not funny enough or that I'm not like this person. And I dealt with some of those quieter voices today, those voices that say, you can't do this. You are not smart enough. You are going to fail. Those voices that say, who do you think you are? Listen, we all deal with them, but it's how we deal with those voices that can help us overcome them. And I want to show you two ways that Nehemiah dealt with intimidation. Listen to what Nehemiah does in verse 20. He says, I replied, the God of heaven will help us succeed. We, his servants, will start rebuilding the wall, but you have no share, no legal right or historic claim in Jerusalem. Nehemiah tells them they have no rights or authority in Jerusalem. Number one, tell your enemy they have no authority or right in your life. He doesn't get to dictate what you do. He doesn't get to dictate where you go. He doesn't get to tell you how you feel. 
And Sanballat and the others continue to come at Nehemiah and continue to mock him and discourage him. And that's just like the devil. He will continue to come at us and continue to mock us and continue to discourage us. But Nehemiah kept repeating the same thing. It goes on to say in chapter 6 that Sambalit and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet them at once in one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But I realized they were plotting to harm me. Verse 4, four times they sent the same message, and each time I gave them the same reply. The fifth time, Sambalit's servants came with an open letter in his hand, and this is what it said. There is a rumor among the surrounding nations, and Geshem tells me it is true that you and the Jews are planning to rebel, and that is why you are building the wall. According to his reports, you plan to be their king. He also reports that you have appointed prophets in Jerusalem to proclaim about you. Look, there is a king in Judah. You can be very sure that this report will get back to the king, so I suggest that you come and talk it over with me. Like, look at this, like they're threatening Nehemiah. Now they are spreading rumors and lies about Nehemiah. And if this is not what happens nowadays to us, like, I don't know what is. Because this is thousands of years ago, and we are still facing the same very real enemy in our lives. Nehemiah replies, and I love this, he replied this, There is no truth in any part of your story. You are making up the whole thing. They were just trying to intimidate us, imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work. So I continued the work with even greater determination. Number two, work with an even greater determination. Like when you face those voices that discourage you, you work with a greater determination. Like the devil is a liar. He wants to stop the work. He wants to stop the work of you building your marriages, stop the work of you building your families, the building of your future. So he will tell you whatever he can to stop you, but work with an even greater determination. And all this time while Nehemiah was working, he was threatened. He was lied about. He was mocked. He was questioned. And he was made out to be a fool. But that didn't stop him because he knew he had authority from the one that mattered. He knew he had authority from the king. And you and I, when we, we may hear those voices, we may hear the mocking, we may hear the lies that tell us we can't do this. But I want you to know today that you have authority from the king. And it's not a king from this world, but it's the king of kings who is Jesus. And when we have that authority, we don't have to walk in intimidation. And when we have that authority, we don't have to walk into fear. We get to walk in his love because he is love and he loves you. One of the most famous scriptures, John 3:16, says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 15, 13 says, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He laid down his life for you and I because he loves us and because he is love. And the difference between intimidation and love is intimidation tells you you are not good enough, but love says that you are more than enough. Intimidation says you cannot overcome this. 
but love says you are more than able to conquer. Intimidation holds you back, but love elevates you. Intimidation says you won't fit in, but love says you are welcome here. Intimidation tells us lie after lie after lie, but love shows us the truth. First Corinthians says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does, it does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. And I don't know about you, but I want to stay in that love so when those voices come, I can work with an even greater determination. Would you close your eyes? The Bible says that three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Love is what lasts and what conquers all. Maybe you're here today, you've never experienced that type of love. A love that lasts, a love that is eternal. Jesus is that love. The Bible says that when we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, we get to walk in His love. So I want to give you an opportunity today if you're saying, that's me, I need to experience that type of love, would you pray this prayer after me? Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I'm sorry. I believe that you died for me because you loved me. Would you come into my life and change me and make me more like you? Be my Lord and be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we are so excited for you and we want to connect with you. Would you let us know by going to that link that's on your screen? We just want to help you along on your new Jesus journey. I want to pray one more time with heads bowed, eyes closed still. Maybe you're here today and you've been walking in intimidation. You've been walking in intimidation for far too long and maybe you've realized you've been the intimidator, but you want to walk in authority from the King. If that's you, I want to pray with you. God, thank you for my friends. I thank you that you love us too much to leave us where we're at. And I pray that today that we wouldn't walk in intimidation, we wouldn't walk being intimidators, but we would walk in the authority of the King, that walk in the authority of you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us this week. Did you know we have discussion questions for each message? You can download them and talk it over with your friends and family. Go to lifechurchgreenbay.com to download today.